All right. My name is Kendall Hale. I'm actually the pastor of evangelism here at Fellowship of Grace. So if you've never seen me, never heard of me, that's who I am. All right. Um, I always like to tell Pastor Michael uh, and, and Pastor Derek, I feel like the third string quarterback when I get called in, you know, just hoping to pray and I don't throw that interception. Uh, like some of the chiefs do sometimes, but we won't talk about that. Um, but it's one of those also that I'm, I'm really ADD, so don't cough, sneeze, any of that kind of stuff. I'm also that quarterback that will run to the wrong huddle. He'll forget all his plays, you know, so just be patient with me this morning. We'll have a good time, but, but more than anything, we're going to really delve into the Word of God this morning. I think that's the most important thing that we can do on Sunday mornings. And before you all fall asleep, I want to do some disclaimers. We're not going to tell a joke or anything at the beginning, but I want you to know because this message is so, it can be misconstrued a lot. So I want to get these things out before we even get started. So you have your attention. Salvation. If you see, we have a whole series on faith that works. So it's a lot of works oriented. Just understand where we are when we talk about works. Salvation is not a reward for services rendered. It is a gift of grace freely given. Amen? Amen. Also, James, understand James. James is talking to Jewish Christians, okay? So this message this morning is going to be to Christians as well. So James, at no time does he claim that good works in any way merit salvation. But he does boldly claim, which I'll proclaim this morning as well, that good works are a result of our salvation, and they should be. In the nature of this message, there's a big difference, think about this, between serving God to get acceptance and serving God because we're accepted. Amen? Amen. All right. James is also really good. We're going to do a spiritual assessment today. I'm going to ask you, be asking you several questions during the middle of this to really check our spiritual health vital signs. Um, I check my vital signs through what we call a stress test. Has anybody ever had a stress test? Anybody? There was quite a few this morning. Okay. All right. I got to be honest. I went in not knowing what to expect. And I, my eyes were wide open. Um, first of all, you got to take off your shirt, which I don't even do when I'm swimming. You know, so that was embarrassing. But the biggest thing, and I've already confessed this to my wife, Tracy, the nurse was a knockout. She was gorgeous, okay, which put a little bit more stress in the stress test. And so I had my shirt off, and of course they shave a little bit to put the electrodes there, and then they put you on the torture device with the treadmill, all right? And they want, you to, they want to talk to you through that whole time, you know? And I'm like, okay, I, I understand where you're going with this. So I just start out walking. She said, how are you doing? Oh, this is nothing. Well, first of all, I'm real competitive. I'm a, I'm a college coach. I coach at UMKC. That's what I do full time. And I'm very competitive. And so I ask her, I go, what's the record on this thing? Because I want to see if I can beat this. What's the time I got to beat? And so she didn't say, just do your best, just do your best. So I start out, I'm walking, you know, it's all good. Hey, you, you have a good day today, you know, just making small talk. And of course, you know, Michael preached on, on, on stress and anxiety, you know, and about God was in control. No, this nurse was in control for the stress test, okay? She was punching that button a little bit faster than what I thought she should. But I'm going at this nice pace, and she goes, you good? I'm, yeah, I'm good. You know, and I got fat jiggling everywhere. I'm trying to suck in. My pants are falling down. So I'm trying to hold my pants up as I'm running. I wear jeans. It's not, nobody told me I needed to wear warm-ups or anything. So I'm wearing jeans. My pants are falling down. I got so much friction between the leg with my, my jeans that the fire is going to start. But I'm running. 
You know, I'm running now, and she's talking. I'm doing good, yeah. And then she starts the incline, okay? And I'm at a full incline, full sprint at the time we're done. Sweat is pouring everywhere. And uh, she says, okay, and I'm just finally, cut it, cut it. That's all I can do. So we run back to the table. She hooks me up to the machine, see what my heart rate is and everything. And I, <laughs> I can't breathe out. <laughs> I'm trying to make talk, and I can't talk. And uh, finally, I get the... I, I'm able to say something. I just said, so how'd I do? <laughs> you know? She goes, you did better than 90% of everybody we bring in here. And I'm like, ooh, check it out. <laughs> and she goes, but most of the time, the people we bring in are 70 and older. <laughs> and I might have, ego, down the tubes, down the tubes. But we're going to check your vital signs today. Because I think it's important to do some spiritual assessment in our lives every so often. A lot of times we think we're in good spiritual health, but something can happen, you know? We see marathon runners all the time. They're dying of heart attacks because they think they're in good condition and they, they have something wrong deep down inside. So we're going to really do that. I think our church as a whole in the nation really needs to evaluate our vital signs. Check out these stats. Now, be, it's going to shock you, I think. It shocked me. 95% of all Christians have never shared their faith. Wow. 80% of Christians do not read their Bible on a consistent basis. 25% of born-again Christians don't believe Jesus rose from the grave. 24% believe that Jesus sinned. Less than 2% are involved in the ministry of evangelism in their church. And the last one, Christians are giving 2.5% per capita to the church, while in the Great Depression, they were giving 3.3% per, per capita. So that's some, so that's some stats that should really hit home. Or what's the health of our, our church as a whole? There's a lot of people out there that are saying they're Christians, and this is the test they need, the one we're going to do today to see. This is our scripture passage today. We're in James. Uh, we're in that first chapter, and we're going to start in verses 19, and we'll go to verses 25. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a man who looks in the natural face in the mirror, but once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten the kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a, a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Uh, the passage sort of reminded me of, we're talking about the heart today, you know, and we're talking about the different soils uh, that, that we talked about in Matthew were the seeds planted in different, different types of hearts. Let's look at those. The first one, it fell beside the road. The birds came and they ate it. That's the first soil. We're not going to be talking about that. The second, rocky places. Um, as you can see, it merely sprang up, didn't have good roots, so it was scorched when the sun hit it. The third type was a thorny soil, and the thorns sort of choked it out. The last one's where we're going we're gonna to hang out. Talking about the good soil. This is when the seed is planted in the heart. As mentioned in that passage, it was implanted in a heart of good soil. Look what happens. 
and they yielded a crop. Some hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. So if, uh, if the seed's planted in a good heart, there should be something after. There should be some kind of, of evidence from that. Some kind of fruit is being bared behind that. Look at uh, the psalmist here. He's, he's crying out that don't become a rebellious generation. This is what a rebellious generation does. A stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. That's what we got to prepare ourselves. We got to be careful not to become that society. A receptive heart. If you got notes, fill these in. A receptive soil, a receptive heart is quick to listen. Let's think about that, quick to listen. Well, first of all, you got to know how God speaks, correct? So let's look at some of the ways. How does God speak so that he can speak to us and we can be quick to listen? Well, first of all, right here, the word of God, okay? He speaks through, he, he basically, if you don't know what his will is, take a look in here. It tells you what his will is. What's the other one? Prayer. When we pray, how many times do we, in our prayer time, do we just sit there we make our request to God, we pray to God, and then what do we do? Hang up the phone, right? Do you sit there after your prayers and hear the other side to receive something from God, maybe a peace that you're needing and a decision you're making? You know, those kind of things. You've got to be, be listening both ways. Communication is two different ways. Circumstances, like James has talked about in the earlier passage that Michael talked about, there's various trials that you're going to experience. Well, God can speak through you through those trials, the things you're going through. And, and you know what? Through those trials, you can speak to other people, which is our next thing. Other believers can be a big impact on the wisdom, sharing truth that they, through things that they've experienced. So listen to other believers when you're in that moment of decision. And the other one is Dreams. Uh, it's all throughout scripture we see where God has spoken to people through their dreams. So the question is, do you really listen or do you listen to speak? I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I get, my, I get caught up in listening to speak. You're, listening, you're, you're thinking about what you want to say to the person that you're talking to. I think we're guilty of that a lot. Um, but you also look at quick to listen as, as an anxiousness, and not anxious as in worry, but an anxiousness to get to church and to hear the word of God. How many of you look forward to coming to church on Sunday morning? Good, I love to see that because that's that anxiousness to hear from the word of God and also the anxiousness to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ because we're in a world where we're getting beat up every day and this is a great place to come energize yourself around other brothers and sisters, correct? Here's our first vital sign questions. On a scale of one to 10, do you hunger and thirst for the word of God? And I hunger and thirst. That's essentials. Do you hunger and thirst for the word of God? Do you get excited to spend time with God's people and hear God's word on Sundays? Or community groups? Are you just something that you do? Is it something you dread? Something you look forward to? Okay? Check out this video because this is a great uh, video to show the excitement about the word of God.
了那些帮助我们的弟兄姊妹，他们的血和力发出来的。这是我们教会这个时候。Okay, I don't know if you brushed up on your Chinese this morning, but、uh, what she said was, "This is exactly what we needed." Wow, what a testimony! Did we look at our word like that? Or we had to brush the dust off? I got I got something this morning that happened to me. I told you I forget things, right? I am just so excited. I came this morning. Guess what I forgot? My Bible. Imagine that.、Um, but I had my dad's Bible that、um, I was going to use as an illustration.、Um, one of the things I, if you don't know much about my background, my dad was an alcoholic.、Um, he died drunk.、Um, it was just not a very good、uh, childhood growing up.、Uh, but I was able to witness to my dad. And、um, through various means, I, I, I spoke to him、uh, before he passed away, and then I, I wrote him a letter, and I, I, I gave him this Bible, and it had it, you know, monogrammed with his name on it and everything. And then when he passed away, we were going through his stuff, and this was right by his bedside. Okay, and I'm going, wow, you know, maybe he he opened it, maybe he read it, but then I started looking, and you can actually see coaster marks where he'd set his beer on it, and.、Uh, You know that's not exactly what I intended when I gave him this Bible, and I was looking through it this morning. And I said, "I'll just use my dad's Bible as I preach this morning." And、um, as I'm skimming through it, all the pages are stuck together. Ever bought a Bible where all the pages are stuck? Yeah, and they were all stuck together. But I, I went to put my marker in this marker here on what I was going to preach. It's the only underlined passage in this whole Bible. And it was a way of God showing me, "Hey man, I got your back this morning. Somebody here is, needs to hear these words this morning." So, take a word from that. Hopefully, that's that's you. But it was a great encouragement to me this morning, as we were looking through this. Right brain.、Uh, we're we're talking about being slow to speak. How many times do we talk without the filter? Right. How many people are right brain? Do you think? All right, we got a couple. I'm a right brain guy. I sometimes I just talk and I don't know what I'm saying. Actually, until afterwards, I I have some emotion. I'm either angry, I'm upset, or whatever. I say something, and then, then we have you analyze it and you regret what you said, right? I'm sure even if you're not right brain, you've had that experience where you let the emotion get the better of you. You left brain people, you got a little bit better. You analyze first. You think about what you're going to say. You say it, and then you have the emotion. So I would request maybe this one is better. Think it through the filter of: Is this going to lift somebody up? Is this the truth? Am I repeating the truth, or am I just repeating somebody else's lies?、Um, think about what you're going to say. Don't just say it. I, I know people that that way, and sometimes they stick their foot in their mouth all the time. So just be careful. And that was a hard thing for me. I, I, I'm a big. I love humor. But I would tell humor at the most inappropriate times. I had to learn. I was telling jokes at funerals, all this kind of stuff.、So、I had to learn when to use humor and when not to use humor. But that's that's a big thing. The next thing, slow to anger. Gosh, we're in such an angry society. Watch the news. Watch the news. There's people killing each other. We're protesting. Everybody hates everybody else.、Um, there's violence in the roads. I mean, you cut somebody off, you're in threat of losing your life. Because of just that immediate anger that response that everybody gives,、um, I was actually speaking about on the road. I was behind this car one time, and I had this bumper sticker. I saw it, and I'm like, "Yeah, I like that." Another Christian. So of course I love Jesus, and they're asking permission to honk. They said honk, right? 
honk if you love Jesus. I love Jesus. So I give a couple nice little toots there as I'm going by. Ooh, that didn't sound good. <laughs> Lord, forgive me for that. Um, but anyway, as I'm driving by, she is giving me the one-finger wave. And I think you all know what I'm talking about. She was very angry that I would have the audacity to honk at her. And there's no way to translating that honk is a friendly Jesus, I love you honk. You know, it's just, uh, so anyway, she, I go, what is this, a rental car? What, did you just buy it from somebody else? You know, don't put that on the back. If you're not going to represent Christians the way you should. Um, Anger has a root issue. You know, think about that. Wow, smoke alarm. Just to let you know, for this illustration, I took this out of my house. So hopefully my house is not burning down at the current moment. Uh, But a smoke alarm, what is that used for? I woke a lot of you guys up. That's good. That's the intention. What's a smoke alarm used for? It's to let you know that there's something deeper. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Anger, that's the smoke. Where's the fire? What's the root of anger? I think if we look deep enough, we'll find it's this, control. Don't we want to control everything? That person on the road that's zipping by you, don't you want to just control them and push that imaginary brake on their side, you know? What about the ones that are going really slow in front of you when you have to go to work? You ever notice that one? I think. But that's the case. Think about at home when your kids won't clean up their rooms. You're wanting to control them. You get angry because they're not doing what you ask. You can't control their actions. But that's a, I think that's a problem we need to, to look at because if we're always upset, you'll see one of our vital signs questions here in a little bit. But this is a great passage here. In your anger, do not, let, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4, 26, 27. You know, I like to uh, use this when you do marital counseling to, to tell the, the people, you know, don't go to bed angry, right? You've heard that. I said, do what I do. You know, I stay up all night and plot my revenge. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Tracy knows that's not really true. It's just a joke. But but anyway, um, so look at these vital sign questions. How do you respond when the Bible steps on your toes? Because when you look at the root of this, it's really talking about when you read the Bible, it's it's not an emotional outburst anger. It's more of an anger that is, that it's seething. It's soothing, not soothing, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's seething, I think that's the main word I'm looking for, maybe not, sorry, smoldering, that's the other word I'm looking for, Um, and it's something that when you are faced when reading the Bible, like love your neighbors, you know, or love your enemies, that's even worse, right, because we want to punch our enemies, we want to fight our enemies sometimes. So that's what this passage is talking about. It's that anger that you have when it it conflicts with what your major beliefs are. Uh, Think about forgiving. That's always a hard one for us Christians, right? Forgiving somebody that has really wronged us. Uh, Think about that. Think about maybe some people that you're having trouble forgiving. Um, That's what it's talking about in this passage. You can also look at Facebook and watch the comments, the comment section, how angry that can be when you, you have a belief system that's not like everybody else's. It can get really angry, can it? All right. If you can't make it through a week without yelling, name-calling, throwing things, threats, or giving the silent treatment, you might have an anger, anger issue or a control issue. So really look at that. 
Is that something I do on a, a normal basis? Is anger really uh, a part of my character? Think about that. The last one, a receptive heart clears the crud of sin. Um, if you look at the passages here, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. I love words and I love how the Greek really paints pictures of the words that we have in um, English. Uh, the word filthiness up here, it's translated like wax in your ears, the filthiness there. So think about the scripture about quick to listen. So it's hard to listen when you're, your ears are all full of wax. And so what they want you to do is clean that filthiness out of there so you can be quick to listen. Uh, the other one is putting aside all filthiness. So, so laying it aside, it gets a picture of taking the dirty clothes off, the dirty clothes of sin off, so you can be, be clothed in righteousness. Here's another one. It sort of reminded me, I had the, I come up with this scripture. Uh, it has the same language. Listen to this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Hebrews 12.1. So you see there's some, it, it mentions sin, but it also, right before that, it mentions weight. And I don't think he's talking about this weight. I think he's talking about some of the other things that really hinder us from having strong Christian walks and being able to run with endurance like they've asked on, in this passage. What are some of those things? You know, think about some of the weights in your life, some of the things that hold you down. You know, busyness. That's a great example. Sometimes we're so busy that we can't do the things and be obedient to God because we're just so in the muck of busyness. We have, I know as parents, you have football games, you have baseball games, you have all these things that really controls your time. Think about that. That's a, that's a huge thing as we're going into this. What are the things that really hinder you? Vital signs questions. What, what is in your life you need to lay aside what weight or sin is in your life. All right, this is an interesting one. What in your life has the Holy Spirit convicted you of in the past that you are now justified in your life? What do you mean by that, Kendall? Um, I'm talking about if you've ever been convicted of something, maybe a Christian liberty that you, that you have in your life, and you were convicted of actually participating in that activity, and it actually started becoming a sin in your life. And then, all of a sudden, you hardened your heart so much that it almost became accepted. And you were practicing that sin without the conviction anymore because your heart had been so hardened. Okay? This is today. Today's the time to soften that heart again. To soften it. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, listen to him. Because there's probably things in your life this morning that you need to get rid of. You need to put aside. You need to... But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Um, I think, let me go back. Here, when it's talking about this, um, the English equivalent to this word here is auditing a class. Okay, anybody audited a class before? Anybody, a couple? That's basically when you go to class and you're not responsible for anything. You don't have to take the test. You don't have to do the essays. You don't have to do anything related to that class. Okay, I audited a Spanish class one time, and uh, I wanted to be able to at least uh, recruit a little better in South America, since I recruit internationally sometimes, and 
but I just wanted to know what they were saying about me in the back of the van. You know, that's, <laughs> that's a little bit, I, I'm being honest this morning. Um, but I took this class, and I, I just said, I just want to sit in the corner. I'm a non-traditional student. You got all these young pups in here. Let them do the work. I just want to absorb a little bit. Of course, every morning, the, the, the Spanish teacher would come and say, Como esta usted, Kindle? And I'm like, no, no entiendo, no entiendo. I don't understand. Please, please, just leave me alone. Um, the teacher knew the principle, though. The principle is if you put into practice, right, you get better, you get stronger. And that's what the whole message is about today. If we want to grow in our spiritual walk, we need to be obedient to what God has called us to do. Right? Think about it. You can become so much more than what you are today if we just put into practice what the Word of God says. Oh, another one. Denise Austin. Anybody old enough to know who Denise Austin is? She's that workout guru, like in that time of Richard Simmons and all that. Well, I bought the VHS tapes. And uh, I put it in here because I think I audited that course as well because I caught myself... I caught myself on the couch watching it, eating chips, and I go, I don't think this is what was intended uh, through this workout video. Um, delude themselves. As I was studying for this, this, this passage, um, John MacArthur has a commentary, and I just couldn't uh, preach this without saying this. Uh, this is verbatim from his commentary. If, if, if a profession of faith does not result in a changed life that hungers and thirsts for God's word and desires to obey that word, the profession is only that, a mere profession. Satan loves these professions because it gives these church members the damning notion that they are saved when they are not. Okay, by any means, I do not want to to question your salvation here this morning. But I think through your analysis here this morning, you can take a good look at what I what you're, where you are. Because a lot of times, and I, I know that those stats that we pulled up the, uh, a while back about all the people that claim to be Christians and believe Jesus sinned and didn't raise, raise from the dead, they probably had an experience similar to a lot of us where we went to a summer camp, you know, a church camp, we got saved, and then we came back, we got our fire insurance, and then we just live like we normally did. You know, so I challenge you here this morning, if that's your testimony, Really evaluate yourself because when we become before holy God, we should be changed. Somehow, some way, there should be change in our life. And that's what we're here for this morning. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. James 1. And I can't think about looking in a mirror without thinking about this guy. Remember Stuart Smalley from Saturday Night Live? Uh, actually, this guy now, I think uh, we, we were talking about it. He's actually a congressman now. It's Al Franken. I don't know if you've heard about him. Probably one of the more liberal guys out there. But he would look in front of a mirror and he goes, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. You know, And that's how he would start every morning with his daily affirmations, which couldn't be further from the truth. But I was thinking about that. Got this mirror right here. Have anybody had one of these kind of mirrors? It is scary. <laughs> you know, you, you wake up in the morning and look, I mean, it's, it scares you. Uh, it, I mean, it makes your pores look like the Grand Canyon. You know what I mean? It's that close. 
But this is like looking into the Word of God. When it's talking about this mirror in the Scripture, it's talking about looking at the Word of God. And the closer we get to the Word of God and the more we read it, the more we respond to it, the more of our ugliness is revealed because the more of His holiness is revealed. Have you done that? The closer you get to God, the more that you start thinking, oh, wow, that is, I, I need to stop doing that. That's not, that's not good. So that's what the mirror, when we look in front of a mirror, it's, you can almost equate it to coming to a sermon, looking in the mirror and going, yeah, I really need to do that. I need to do that. That's good stuff right there. And then you walk out, totally forget it. You don't do any of it. You don't even evaluate yourself anymore. You just go out and live like the rest of the world. That's the foolishness that's talked about in this scripture. So think about that. When you are um, looking in the mirror tomorrow morning, and when you see that what my, my mom said, cornbread comes in your eyes. You know that stuff that gets in there? That, yeah, anyway, I know it's gross. Um, but when you see your hair all a mess, and all, just think about that. Would you go out in public that way? No, you would do something about it. And that's what, that's what the passage is trying to say. We need to be obedient and do something about it. Not just look, about, look at it and forget it, but let's act on it. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So as we look at our next one, God will bless those who are obedient. Now, we really don't know what these blessings are. They could be here on earth. They could be up in heaven. We really don't know. I mean, the Bible is very clear that there will be rewards in heaven for, for what we do here. And there will be a time in your life when you stand before the Almighty God and and it will be important to you what you've done. It will be. And I think that's important that we, we realize how we're living so when we do stand before God on that day, that you will hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. But even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. You know, I think that's, imp- that's very important. Therefore, everyone, this is Jesus, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So this is that, that firm foundation of building your house on the rock, that when the when the sun comes, it's not scorched like we talked about in the soil, but it has such a strong foundation that it stands. Now this, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. What does holiness mean? What does the word holiness mean in Bible? It means to be separate, right? If I called every one of your employers tomorrow, if I called your wife, your spouse, your kids, and I asked them, do you think he's a Christian? Do you think she's a Christian? Do they set themselves apart at work? Are their lifestyles the same as everybody else's here? Would they know you're a Christian at your work? By your lifestyle, by the things that you do? Because sometimes, that's, as Christians, that's the only Jesus they're gonna see is you and how you live your life. And I don't care if you, you blow up every once in a while. If you come back and apologize and say, I'm sorry, that's not who I am. This is, and apologize. Some of the best testimonies I've heard are people that did that. Um, and really apologized and said, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have acted that way. I should have acted this way. 
vital signs questions. How are you different than the world? And are you truly a foreigner living in reverent fear or do you love this place too much? I think this is a big question for us. We're called to be ambassadors. We're only visiting here, guys. Do we love this world and all the things of the world so much that we have lost who we're representing? You know, I saw um, there's some placards being made now of the, um, they put them on the, it's called the, you put them on the outside of your house and it says home of the ambassador, earthly ambassador. So it's like being a representative that you are a representative to God here on earth and your home, you know, accepting those into your home that need prayer and things like that. I thought that was a really cool testimony to put that on the outside of your house to remind you all the time that we are called to be ambassadors here. Pastors of Fog, we were at an elder meeting and we mentioned this and everybody was very animate about, about this statement. Our pastors at Fog would rather you live out one sermon than to memorize a hundred. We're not about just coming up here every Sunday and, and, and giving you a word and then you just leaving like you turned away from that mirror. Because why? We want you to be blessed, you know? And I'm gonna, a couple things. I'm on my closing here. Uh, this is one of my players, Aram Castellano. He is, uh, if you have my Facebook post, you probably see a lot of pictures of him. I recruited him while I was in, in Madrid, Spain. He was playing a tournament. And I was drawn to this guy. I saw something in him, potential that I'd never seen in another player. And um, I followed him every match that he played. And there was probably 15 other coaches there. And they said, this guy doesn't have a chance. And I go, just watch. Uh, This guy has potential. He ended up winning the tournament. And I ended up getting him just because I believed in him. And I had followed him. And I meet with my players at the end of every year. And I met with Aram the second year, because the first year he was a decent player. Um, he had some, some good wins, but from his freshman to his sophomore year, unbelievable change. He, I, I don't know, I sat him down and I just said, Aram, I don't, what happened? You, you're a whack player of the year, you're, uh, you qualify for the Oracle Masters, which only 32 other players in the whole United States get to do. What did you do? He looked at me and my assistant in the eyes and he goes, Coach, I did what you asked me to do. So are we, Aram, in God's eyes? Does he see so much potential in every one of you guys? But he's calling you to be obedient, to grow. How can we grow if we're not in his word every single day? How can we grow? I don't think we can. And I'm going to end with this illustration. I've seen this uh, one of my favorite uh, pastors is Francis Chan. I don't know if anybody heard of Francis Chan. He gives this illustration, and he's on a, he actually brings a balance beam. You know a balance beam, Olympics, right? He brings one out on the stage, and he talks about when we become Christians, we, uh, we step up on that balance beam, you know, and we're a little shaky, you know, and we, this is sort of cool. You know, this is awesome. And then we, we step on an act of obedience. Maybe we share with our, our friends or, or something because we're really excited about what God has given us. And that looks a little bit like this. You know, we step out. We, you know, <laughs> Nadia Kamenich, remember her? Yeah, she did a little bit of this. Notice, Judge, I'm pointing my toes, you know. And we, did, we think we're doing a, you know, we think we're doing good in this Christian walk. Then all of a sudden we do a little, little turn or whatever. I mean, it's hard to do on this thing. And imagine a balance beam is this small. 
And pretty soon, it doesn't work out for us that well. You know, it starts, people start rejecting us. Uh, you know, our friends start making fun of us because we are Christians. And then we, we sort of get into our shell. And then, then pretty soon we're on the balance beam like this. And you're like, dear God, Lord, just keep me safe. I want to live in a gated community. I want to homeschool my kids. I want to eat organic. Um, I'll, I'll even help my kids wear helmets everywhere they go to keep them safe. And, and then we, just, we, we experience this kind of life where we're just hugging the beam and we're scared to do anything for God. And then comes our, about our time that we're passing away and we're thinking that we're getting older and it's like, Lord, please let me, let me die in my sleep. And then, and then pretty soon we're gone. And then we get up to heaven and... Now think about that. If that was at the Olympics and they stood before a judge... And they performed that act. I'm sure they pointed their toes. They did this and that. They pointed their toes. What do you think the judge is going to say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't think so. I don't think so. So our actions do matter, guys. And they matter for this reason. That we love our God so much because of what he did on the cross for our sins. And that we're truly indebted to him to give back to say thank you for all that you've done. And I want others to experience this because it's such a, made such an impact on my life. It's like having the cure to cancer and just keeping it to yourself. Guys, that's not, that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to give it away. Bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. I pray that, the, that hearts will be just softened this morning. I pray that as we spiritually assess our lives, we'll see some things and areas in our life that even today, I pray a special prayer for those that are convicted. I pray that you will say from this moment on, I'm gonna rededicate my life and I'm gonna give it to you and in the times that I've neglected you and not been obedient to your word, I pray that from this moment on as, as I exit these doors into the mission field that I will live for you courageously and not scared but live for you. As Scott Davis said last night, we have too many shy Christians. We have too many Christians that aren't courageous. Lord, I pray that we will become strong and courageous in you. In your name we pray. Amen.